Yes, it is. It's a Monday, and what you're seeing right there is uh, a little inside look from Strohauer Farms is uh, potatoes, right? They're plucking, that got garbled. They're plucking potatoes right now, and uh, it's, a, it's a Monday again. Alongside of Jay Parker and Brian Freeman, I'm Greg Hollenbach. We've got a big show for you. It's August 24th, and thank you for joining us. It must be 2 p.m. in the Mile High City because that's when the Modern Eater Show is on the air. Big day tomorrow for us, boys. You see those potatoes? Yes, sir. What are they for? They are for the Summer Dinner Series tomorrow at Pizza Republica. It's week seven, right? Yep. Okay, Jay, who's week seven? Week seven is uh, the butcher, formerly known as Chef Justin Brunson. You can't get his food anywhere, man. Old Major, not his anymore. It's Chef Amos Watts, right? Mm-hmm. The fifth string. Justin Brunson, exclusively River Bear American Meats. It's going to be a pleasure for this sold-out evening at the well-appointed, spacious Pizza Republica downtown. Man, I am looking so forward to it. It's going to be a hot one, but we'll cool down with some delicious drinks. We've got a great distillery coming with us for uh, Distillery 291, Joyride Brewing Company. We've got Carboy Winery. It's all's well in the world. We'll step off smartly tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. And that's where our um, happy hour will begin, and then dinner at 7 p.m. I'm really looking forward to that. In the meantime and in between time, later on in the show, Brian Amber Strohauer will join us via Zoom. Yeah, nice. I know she's she's down in hot Texas and not having as much fun as she would be up in here in Colorado. She's bummed she can't get to see the summer dinner series or even be there. But we're going to have her live at the dinner via Zoom so you guys get to see what Colorado Potatoes is all about. All right, here's a treat. Let's introduce our guest right now. Robert Thompson joins us, and he's got a new project. Uh, He's doing the Thompson Growth Group. You might know Robert, formerly known as the uh, CEO and I believe uh, chairman of uh, Punchbowl Social. He resigns his positions at Punchbowl Social, and he will move forward. He joins us now. Robert Thompson, welcome to the Modern Eater Show. Good to see you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. A lot to talk about, right? Here we are, mid-pandemic. Business is really interesting. We've got the best of the best that come on the show, Robert, and we just like to kick around, hey, how does it look out there? Last week, Chef Troy Gard on the show, he was visibly worried, right? Visibly worried about the future. You've been quoted to say um, a couple of things. Right now, the real devastation of the restaurant industry is yet to come. First of all, let's just start out with that sentence, and then we'll just kind of look to see. Uh, we'll, we'll go down uh, Punchbowl Social, and then we'll touch on the new project, the Thompson Growth Group. But um, talk about the overall sentiment of the restaurant industry right now, if you would. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, right now a lot of restaurant groups are being artificially propped up by PPP funds, you know, um, and uh, and for a while there um, – enhanced or amplified unemployment. So the, the PPP funds were providing liquidity for the businesses to either pay rent or pay employees. And the amplified unemployment was putting uh, liquidity into the economy through people. And with the unemployment ratcheting back down in the PPP funds, uh, the forgiveness period of PPP expiring this fall for most restaurants uh, or restaurant groups that accepted it um, th- that artificial um, structure is going to disappear, and restaurants are going to start to fall. And I'm, you know, that it's. I, I only say that because I, I want people to understand that there's still 
there's still a lot of support that restaurants need out there. If you think your local, you know, brew pub or coffee shop is doing great because it's still open, um, you know, wait until about October 5th when when they don't have that free liquidity from the government to support them anymore. That's when we're going to start to see restaurants actually close their doors permanently. You know what? I'm right there with you, uh, lock, stock, and barrel with pretty much everything you said there. I've been saying that right now with that infusion of fiat currency from the federal government without anything exchanging hands, a good or a service exchanging hands, and then um, inflating what is out there, that hyperinflation will kick in at some point uh, when businesses start figuring out, do I need to sell a $30 cheeseburger to stay in business? And uh, it's going to get really interesting out there right now. It, Punchbowl Social, in particular, going from $120 million to a screeching halt zero. How, how could anybody survive in that environment, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, we sort of had some complicated circumstances add to our situation. Um, we we, we might have had a punctured shot at, at making it as a company. The brand will prevail. I want to be clear. The, the brand will be here um, for a long time. And I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that to, I believe that to be a true statement and it makes me happy. I mean, I, I founded that company and I created the concept model. Um, and I like to think I left a permanent stamp on the entertainment category, but, um, but the company will go through a, a re- reorganization mm-hmm. of sort, whether it's judicial or just some other type of asset cleanse. When building the company, what was your mindset? Obviously, uh, I mean, okay, let's start here. Could a punchbowl social survive if, say, the new normal is what we're looking at right now? A social distancing um, that COVID takes form in different ways and it continues on into the future. Is is a punchbowl social environment viable to, to the world we live in right now? Well, um, you know, punch bowls have uh, outsized cubic footage, right? So it's a it's a safe indoor environment. It's one of the safer restaurant uh, environments you can you can be in um, in a in a COVID state. But um, it's it's not just the the physical distancing that's an issue. Um, it's some of the other restrictions that make it hard for a punch bowl or any entertainment brand to survive. And that's the the ten o'clock last calls. Um, the fact that you know, in entertainment, uh, typically 35 to 55% of the revenue comes from corporate events. And um, with those being a zero at the moment and losing an entire day part by having to close at 10 p.m. because, you know, punch bowls are active until 1.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- with, with, with those constraints, no, they, they couldn't make it if this were a permanent state. Take us through the the growth. I, I find it fascinating, just starting with a concept. Do you mind just going through soup to nuts on really how how you develop the concept and and then you, you know really just building off of it and and as a as a entrepreneur, a lot of times is how do you grow past your own certain imagination? How do you get good people around you and how do you infuse money as well? to uh, realize the overall dream. Do you mind kind of just taking us through uh, the steps of the, the process? Sure, happy to. It's actually a little bit of a, um, a foreshadowing of what I'm doing with Thompson Growth Group because I'm, I'm ideating new uh, concepts. And so happy to take you how it worked Thank at Punchbowl. 
I, um, I like to start with understanding who my customer is, who, who my, who's my target customer. And then I go deep into their psychographic. And so for Punchbowl, it is millennials. Uh, and then in the last three years, it's been increasingly um, also Gen Z. And so from, from, from ground zero or from, from, from Genesis of, of creating a concept, um, I like to think about as I'm building, designing it, creating menus, um, you know, I'm always reflecting it off of uh, the data that's available uh, with respect to the, um, my core audience. Um, once I feel like I've dialed that in, I've got the design menus, um, you know, and the authenticity uh, is, 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 pal- is, is palpable. Then I move on to my real estate strategy. And I think, what's the, what's the ecosystem where this thing thrives? Like, where do, where, where do I put this thing so that it reaches full blossom? And so it's, it starts with those two elements. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I start bleeding into the economics. And that's a, that's a relationship between the real estate decisions and how much capital it costs to launch each new location. Um, and then you start to get into the real boring stuff, which is, okay, what's my, what's my annualized um, uh, return on cash um, for the investment? And then trying to figure out all of those uh, dynamics that, that make, it, make it work. Now, if you get all those right, um, you can raise capital. <laughs> you can go find more growth capital. And um, for Punchbowl, we were able to capitalize it through retail uh, capital along the way, just a retail, uh, a capital syndicate, um, and then in 2017, I was able to bring in the first institutional round of capital with L. Catterton, which is a premier private equity group out of Connecticut. Um, and then in 2019, um, I, I replaced Catterton with a strategic partner in Cracker Barrel, mm-hmm. not because Cracker Barrel added anything to Punchbowl, but because they needed growth. Um, they're a publicly traded company. Before COVID, they were a $3 billion market cap. And they, um, we, we provided growth and we provided access to a customer base of urban millennials that they don't have access to. So the, the, the puzzle pieces fit well together for that transaction. And they were eventually going to buy the entire company. There were a um, lot of steps in there. Are- Robert, and we're geeks of this, so I want to go a little bit slow, and I'll bet you Brian's got a question too, and I do as well. Robert Thompson here with us. We've yet to talk about Thompson Growth Group. You're going to want to stick around and talk and hear about the future of that. Resigns as CEO of Punchbowl Social, and we're kind of just going through the steps, but I want to go back just to that first property. First of all, the first property was where? Is that the one on Broadway? Yep. Yep. First in Broadway. First in Broadway. And what year was that born? I signed the lease in 2010 and we didn't get it open until 2012. Um, we had asbestos along the way. And it was just, you know, and, you know, some people forget that I founded Punchbowl during the Great Recession. So I'm actually a believer that great things can come from crisis. And um, so raising capital during the Great Recession was a challenge, but we got it done and um, we ended up, you know, sort of defining a category as a result. Did you see that first, uh, that first store, that first location as just a, a one and done and that was your stopping point? Was that your vision to begin with that or were, did you always build to scale? Prior to Punchbowl, I'd built everything 
to be uh, just one-off uh, concepts customized for the location that they were in. Um, Punchbowl is the first business that I founded that uh, I designed it for growth. So Punchbowl from the first moment that it was uh, an acorn uh, in, in my mind, um, I was processing it to be a, a growth concept. All right, here's what I really like it right now in the process of really kind of um, doing the same thing with the modern eater and scaling and procedures are a very difficult thing as you, as you well know uh, in the midst of just to finish with the book traction I don't know whether you've uh, gotten into that book or not um, traction's a great book the, the, someone else recommended it to me recently so oh is that sounds right like I need to, well it sounds yeah. like you could probably write a book like that but when you <laughs> when you were building punchbowl social did you build it to, uh, i mean you mentioned that you built it to scale what were some of the things that you had to do in order to realize that dream because really for a lot of businesses that is a dream to be able to do you know, you, you have to be able, you have to pay attention to your, um, to your operating metrics. You know, if you can't get a single location to drive 20% profit at the store level before you add in corporate GNA, um, you're never going to get any, any traditional private equity to invest into you. Yeah. So you, you really have to build the model in a way that you can get to at least 20% profitability. Um, and that's, you know, often a challenge in the restaurant industry. And that's why only certain concepts are supposed to grow. And some are, you know, fine just being one, onesies, twosies. At the end of the day, um, when you are looking for money, um, money really likes the idea of organization and procedures. What was the second punch pole that you opened up? Yeah. So the second one was in Portland and that was a bit of an odd deal. Um, I, I think. I think I would redo it again, but it was a situation where the landlord came to me and, and offered me 100% of the capital to open up in um, in their center. And um, it was an odd center, and it's not the typical punchable real estate profile. But I took the project on because uh, we were early stage, and it struggled for a couple of years. And then it started actually making pretty good money um, for, you know, after about the first 18 months, it, it really started to throw off consistent cash. Um, but you know, in, 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 back to your your originating question there, when we're, you know, when we're trying to scale up, you have to go ahead and make the painful and expensive decision to invest into your personnel infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And that's something I did early. I, I developed my C-suite at Punchbowl um, on, while I was opening my second location. So I sort of did everything myself for the first, for the first one here in Denver. And while I was developing the second location, I started hiring the C-suite and that's expensive. Um, and you end up having to do a combination of giving away cash or, or paying cash and, and equity to people. But um, it's important. That's the only way you're going to get real capital to follow you is if you have a real organization developed. I know. it. And so that point to where, you know, the, the conundrum is you start to ask yourself, well, would I rather um, have 2% profit off of a $100 million company or 20% profit off of a really well-run million-dollar company? Uh, that's where it yeah. starts getting interesting. When did you, um, using the term traction, when did you find that you were really accelerating and had that traction? And it must have been a kind of a scary thing as well. He didn't like the question. No, so, I'm sure his phone, Bowl, his phone rang. At Punchbowl, um, you know, I, I had 
traction with Punchbowl two years before I ever opened it. And that's the bizarre truth that um, I, I, I had had some success in my career opening up um, one-off concepts and had won um, a number of Best New Restaurant Awards. And so when I announced that I was developing Punchbowl, which was sort of related to some other big box concepts I'd done earlier in my career, um, the landlord community perked its head up and started paying a lot of attention. And I knew I, I knew I was onto a winner when I had, you know, effectively a landlord come to me before I ever opened up the first location and offered to completely finance the second location. And and that is um, that's a surreal moment. Very interesting. I, I'd like to jump in sure, here real quick, please. Robert. What a great um, conversation. Your your idea around millennial and Gen Z. Are you at all changing gears right now? Are you? Are oh, is you this do- the future conversation? Well, I don't want to get there yet. Okay, I, it's it's I the bridge. Wanna, yes, good, it's, it's good, sort of the bridge. All right, let's do that bridge. That's a great moment right now, Brian, and you're you're really catching on to that. Um, you've been quoted to say. Right now is the time for development mode and not the time for asset management mode. I think that that's a really key thing for you to maneuver into the future with the uh, new project, Thompson Growth Group. So that's a great segue. Are you good on time? Can we pause here real quick for a couple of words from local sponsors? I'm good. I'm having a good time. Let's keep chatting. That's fantastic. Okay, Robert Thompson here with us. This is fantastic. We kind of just went down memory lane, but I wanted to plumb his brain, Brian, about really how you do that because Punchbowl Social always struck me as, like, very cool concept and then accelerate. It just went for it, right? Yep. And you watch that happen. Good or bad in today's um, uh, today's climate? I don't know. It's hard to $120 million company screeching to a – to a halt, to a zero, especially in the um, gathering, you know, the 10 p.m. curfew. There's all kinds of strikes again it's to, yeah. to be able to survive. Anyway, clean break off, new project coming up. We're going to break off and talk about that, talk about the future, talk about development mode. What does that mean? Because you need to put a strategy into place and then go. I want to hear about it. Thompson Growth Group, we'll hear about that as we break away and come right back. It is a Monday, August 24th. You're listening and watching The Modern Eater Show. Hey, guys. Chris Johnson here, owner of Rome Sausage, your hyper-local source for all things sausage awesomeness. My family is proud to carry on the fine traditions of Rome's founder, Jerry Rome, by producing a variety of amazing sausage in small batches, with an eye on quality, not quantity. Every batch is made here in the great state of Colorado by hand-mixing spices, utilizing lean cuts of pork to make an outstanding product. Sourcing ingredients and materials locally, we are committed to supporting local vendors, chefs, restaurants, and the entire Colorado food scene. Getting hungry yet? Brats, Italian, breakfast, hot Polish, green chili, chicken apple, and the world's best chorizo. You can source all of our sausage through a variety of food service distributors. If your distributor doesn't carry it, call us. We'll come direct. You want a custom item? We'll do that too. Samples, and of course, sausage jokes, can be had by contacting me directly at chris at romesausage.com or by phone at 303-296-7663. The modern eater loves Rome sausage, and I know you will too. <laughs> hey, Zach Kreider here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado, your only local source grown from a local crop to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, let me try it one more time, then we'll see. 
Hey restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. <laughs> First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful, all so that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. Hey guys, I'm the moderator. This is Rich O'Brien with Elevation Food Service Reps. I'm here with one of our staff, a newly appointed hospitality specialist, Kalina Hillier. And we're here in our showroom, and uh, we've got our bar set up. We've got a lot of time. Come see us. Come see what we've got, and Kalina can help you guys out in the world of hospitality with anything. Um, take a little journey into the 38th Avenue kitchen just to see what's going on in here. And uh, as I come in here, I'm noticing, uh, Howard, what are you doing? Nothing. Sean, what are you doing? Nothing. Nothing? Look at this beautiful equipment in here. Look at this beautiful, chefs, restaurateurs, anybody that has anything to do with food service, come on over. We'd love to help you with menu development. Love to show you everything about equipment. And uh, maybe we'll even have a few pops. Okay, welcome back. And uh, we'll get back to Robert Thompson in just a moment, formerly Punchbowl Social and uh, new project, Thompson Growth Group. Uh, a, a great business right here. And I, I also think that uh, Robert used Jeff Rourke and 8th Plus Beverage Solutions in a couple of his build-outs. It, he is the most trusted man in the business. Uh, locally owned and operated, a family man, 20 years in the business. He's doing a lot of uh, kind of maintenance stuff right These now. These days, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just got off the phone with him actually today. He'll make an appearance on Thursday, Jeff Rourke is, uh, again, making your tap dreams become reality and truly trusted with some of the biggest, baddest build-outs around, but also doing the uh, Adeline and maintenance type of thing, which is very, very important to any successful business trying to watch their pennies because pouring inefficient beer does what to you, boys? You pour your money, money down, down the, the drain. drain. You don't need to pour your money down the drain right now. You just need to get a hold of Jeff Rourke and A-plus Beverage Solutions. Do like so many. Trust yourself with this man. Give him a call. Here's his phone number. Brian, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Get your pen. 720. This is his cell phone. You can call him right now. If you're out there and you're saying, you know what? I need to get my, I need to add a line. I want a water or a nitro, a coffee, a spirit line, whatever. Kombucha. It, it, your glycol system needs to be tweaked. He'll do it. He'll send somebody out for you. 720-272-3809. One more time. 720-272-3809. He's locally owned and operated. He's the man. His name is Jeff Rourke in A-Plus Beverage Solutions. Okay, it is a Monday. It's August 24th. And uh, just barreling through this Monday, and we're having a great conversation right now with, in my estimation, a, a business mind that, uh, listen up. If you've missed any of the show, rewind it, because we kind of talked about the, uh, the uh, growth of Punchbowl Social and what that really took to come to scale. Welcome back to show, Robert Thompson. Robert, thank you. You're in the green room today. Can you hear us, Robert? Oh, no sound. No sound. There's a there's a buzz and it's very muted. There's a buzz. Did that go away? There it is. Better. It's Beautiful. better. 
Fantastic. Okay, Robert Thompson. It's all good now. Oh, perfect. Thank you for being patient. Uh, get that squared away on our site. Now, Brian, you wanted to set up a question because I thought it was a good one before the break. Let's go into that conversation as we reinstate formerly Punchbowl Social and now the new project, Thompson Growth Group. Yes. And, uh, Robert, thanks again for being on. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested, your strategy. Um, and your strategy goes around the concept of looking for the millennial and Gen Z. Um, and that was really what helped you build this awesome, you know, company and structure. What was punch, what is a punchable social. Um, and like you said, you created this new category really in, in the food and entertainment world, given today's landscape, where would your head and mindset be? And are you going to double down on that and go forward with it? In, in terms of developing new, new, new products, new products. Yeah. yeah let's, let's start here. Regard. Let's start here. Let's just uh, describe if you will, um, Thompson growth group and what you're looking to do with that project. Yeah. Um, so Denver is, has become, you know, a highly relevant economic market in the country and, you know, and hasn't always been, it's been interesting and it's been a tourist People drive through here on the way to the mountains, but now it's relevant in its own regard. And then it also has um, cultural depth to it now. And uh, the food scene is, is just really um, top tier. So Denver doesn't have a restaurant and hospitality restaurant growth product incubator like Phoenix and, and Scottsdale do with uh, Fox Restaurant Group and uh, Philadelphia does with um, uh, Stephen Starr's uh, Star Restaurants in Dallas with Front Burner. And then the grandfather of all incubators is Maggiano's, excuse me, not Maggiano's as a product, but um, let us entertain you in Chicago, what Rich Melman brought to life. So Thompson Growth Group is that incubator that'll be based here in Denver, where I will launch new concepts um, that are, that are growth brands. Um, and it'll provide the infrastructure and the support for these brands that I create um, get off the ground safely to reach um, sort of a, an altitude where they can then, you know, catch their own wings and, and take flight. Great. So you've got three things that you're developing right now. Can we talk about uh, Nobis, Dinette, and Fiona? Yeah. Um, Nobis is sort of the flashiest one that get, gets a little bit of the most buzz right now because it's a forty to 60,000 square foot um, concept model. And it's a um, it's a it's an affordable private club um, oriented for millennials with a private restaurant, private craft, cocktail bar, gym, and remote office space. Um, what we know is that big companies around the country are scaling back the requirement to bring people in to work in the office. That's going to be permanent per post COVID. Um, but people have also found they can't work from home five days a week. We go nuts. So Novus is your gym. It's your members only restaurant and club and, and craft cocktail bar. But it's also that third place that you can go office two days a week. Um, and just, you know, it sort of absorbs your or becomes part of your whole lifestyle routine on a daily basis. Wow. Um, describe like what a day would look like in a Novus. <laughs> You know, I, I could, uh, I guess if I were a consumer based on the way that, that I, uh, I behave, you know, I would show up at seven in the morning and I would, you know, I would work out and, um, you know, by eight, 
38, 45, I'd be showered upstairs, standing in line to get a smoothie and, and a coffee. And I would sit down in one of the remote working spaces and, and work until lunch, sit down and get a hand roll at the, at the hand roll bar. Um, and then push through um, the rest of the afternoon there until, uh, you know, you go into, you know, have friends in uh, their non-members. You're allowed to bring some non-member friends in and have a drink in the craft cocktail bar and dinner thereafter. Wow. And can what I you, ask, Robert, is, are you it, reserving that? Is that like an office flex? Is that what you're thinking? And are you reserving it or? So it's, it's not actually, um, um, it's not co-working. Um, right. It's not, you won't, you won't, um, take down, um, exclusive space for yourself for a 30 person company. This is truly individuals that, um, that you get this, this environment to work out of just as part of your membership dues. Seems like, so, a, um, a, like a very sweet health club. Um, some of those, it is, but I want to make it accessible and affordable, hyper hip, right. And, and culturally relevant, but but still accessible. This is not elite. Now, a lot of times, um, just necessity, that's invention, right? Do you see this need out? Where, where is this coming from? You're, this is burning inside of you somewhere. You're seeing this need. Where is it coming from right now? Yeah. So remember, I, I talked about the real estate side of it also. That is one of the first two pillars. Um, so uh, I'll speak to that in a second. But the, the first piece is just that um, so I developed Punchbowl uh, or Novus a number of years ago. I just uh, did not find the right time to launch it. And so as I was watching the dynamics form in the COVID environment and then predicting what it's going to look like afterwards, um, I, you know, I see this, this need for folks to have this third place to go and spend time because it is going to be permanent that, that large companies are not going to, they're going to shrink their office footprint and save the money. Um, and then, uh, I have a lot of landlord relationships, mostly from my you know ten years of growing Punchbowl and um, and understanding the way the big box dynamics work for these landlords and how their Macy's, J.C. Penney's, Neiman Marcus, and Lord and Taylor have all filed bankruptcy this year. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a massive void uh, in the marketplace and some and capacity issues for these um, for these landlords. They need to fill them mm-hmm. with. 50,000 square foot novices around the country. And so when I put those two things together, that was all I needed to feel in part, that was the reason to, to, to make the decision I did to leave Punchbowl because I needed, I wasn't just going to leave without a, without a plan. Um, And I knew that I had, I knew that I had a product. I feel about novice the way I felt about Punchbowl in 2010. Wow. That's strong. So with this concept development that's been in your mind for a while and you just have to look to, okay, when's the the iron ready? You know, when can we strike on this thing? Are you betting on the roll that there's going to be some great opportunities out there real estate wise or did you already have that lined up? What's the real estate climate look to you? You mentioned a few of these larger shutdowns, but I think it's going to be bountiful out there. Yeah, it's um, I'm sort of um, allowing the mystery to unfold in front of me on this, because I think it's, um, what I'm seeing is that the real estate opportunities are only getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, the longer we wait, the better they will be. I'm looking at space in Miami, Denver, Montreal, Vancouver, and LA. Um, you know, I, I hope that I could get the first one open here in Denver. Uh, that's actually what I'm shooting for. Um, but, um, any but secrets the, but the you want to tell us? Deal, 
Any secrets you want to tell? Uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> so, Robert, it's interesting, though, because listening to you on paper and just in concept, this is like a home run. Like it's well, a no-brainer. It right now? I mean, it, it, well, but that's assuming the, COVID The other away. side right. of that, that's what I – because so, he's touching on well, health clubs, uh-huh. which are, yeah. you know, one of the big targets, restaurants, which are one of the big targets, and then, like, entertainment as a whole. See, now it could be genius to have this develop during this time to where everything kind of water finds its own level and, and may sink to the bottom. And, again, when you – it struck me when you said the Great uh, Recession is when you started to develop Punchbowl Social. <laughs> is there, this, is, this is really actually very interesting, Robert, how you are betting that life will go back as normal sometime in 2021 to be able to take a concept that is very much so a community concept. Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a glass three quarters full guy, maybe <laughs> more so than half full. And uh, I, there is a bright side in everything. I mean, look, my company just got wiped out and, uh, and I'm, I'm one of the victims of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I didn't lose a loved one. There are people that lost far more, um, you know, emotional um, uh, connections in their life related to COVID. But I'm an, but I'm an economic victim of this thing. Uh, something I put 10 years into was got uh, effectively caught COVID and died. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sitting here saying, this is a, this is a great time to be developing new product. And I, and that's all I know how to do. I, I don't know how to look backwards. Development mode. Let's move on to Dinette, if you would. Dinette Fine Foods. Dinette is, um, uh, this is my quirky, really fun, but, but big scale opportunity product. Um, it's an all day concept. Um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, small box, 3,500 square feet. Um, extreme design forward environment, um, open kitchen. What does that mean? Um, extreme design forward environment. What does that mean? Uh, that's just, I, that's nothing other than my, my nomenclature for saying it's that we're putting a lot of energy into the design. Gotcha. It's important to us. Okay. Um, and when it's a small box, we can sort of go heavy. Um, and, um, I, I, I jokingly refer to it as an urban waffle house for Gen Z and millennials. And um, the, the differentiation point of it is that it's going to lean into 26% delivery. And um, we, we know, and this is sort of a, an, an odd example, because it's not the type of restaurant that I develop, but Denny's, which is just, you know, this institutionalized, not very exciting, you know, culinary uh, concept. But what they figured out is that people love to come in for breakfast and lunch to that type of, you know, to a diner type concept. They don't want to come in for dinner, but Denny figured out that um, people will order delivery at dinner from those types of places. They're almost embarrassed to go into a Denny's at night that they'll go there for breakfast. Um, And I think that if we, if we, if we position it from a real estate standpoint in highly dense multifamily millennial and Gen Z heavy trade areas, we will get that dinner traffic that might normally wane off, you know, in the PM hours for a concept like this. And so we'll be able to drive outsized revenue because um, we'll get what we're going to get at breakfast and lunch. And then we'll get sort of this, this syrup on top um, of to go traffic in the PM. And you see that as a, a, a nationwide scaled brand? 
I think it's a 200 unit concept. Whoa. I think, you know, I, I will start by putting three or four in the Denver, in the greater Denver area. Um, but, it, but it, it is a, um, I think it's a substantial, it's the smallest box, but, but the highest number of units of anything that I'm, I'm working on. Do you find Denver to kind of be your, uh, you know, epicenter or, or ground zero for these types of uh, concepts for proof? I do now. Um, I do now because there's been so much migration here. And I think Denver is a great slice of America because it's not just, you know, the folks from the Rocky Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, I know as many people in Denver that are from New York as I do that are from Denver or, you know, the, or the surrounding uh, states. Interesting. So um, I, I think it's a great little, um, you know, beaker dish for trying to put things together. Fiona, please tell us about Fiona. Fiona is, um, is, is, a, is a different version of experiential F&B um, than Punchbowl. It does no gaming. It is not no activations like that. Um, but experiential F and B is something that you know uh, to 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 experience an activity like bowling, or to experience something that's an aroma or or, or art, um, you know, uh, while you're dining and uh, and drinking in in a, in a restaurant that transforms it into experiential. And Punchbowl is an experiential food and beverage product. Fiona is one in a different uh, sort of different part of the restaurant spectrum. It's a polished casual concept that um, with a better for you culinary component. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm going to have a baker, an in-house baker as part of the program, um, I'm able to make fresh bread every day and make fresh pastries every day. So there will be a coffee program uh, that starts at uh, 6.30 or 7 a.m. with fresh pastries. Um, and then at 11 o'clock, we'll open up an artisanal sandwich counter using the fresh bread um, as we, you know, then we get into the lunch and then eventually the dinner service of this, this polished uh, casual restaurant. But the thing that sort of binds it together and makes it um, experiential is we're going to put a florist right in the middle uh, of the restaurant. So that's where the, these experiences start to come in. So you're going to walk in the door. And so you're going to be invaded by the aromas of, um, uh, of, of this flower shop when you first walk in, into the door. So that is, I think, going to be um, a really neat um, esoteric uh, type uh, restaurant experience, which I think it's not a 200 unit growth product, but it might be 10 or 15. Mm. Uh, with the last couple of minutes here with Robert Thompson talking about the Thompson, Thompson Growth Group. Um, these are really cool. One thing that really strikes me as you've went down the list with Nobis, Dinette, and Fiona, I'm not seeing any direct competition to Punchbowl Social. Was that on purpose? Was that a legal thing? Were you asked to be out of that space? Do you have a non-compete? Um, it's, it's striking that you're not going after that space right now. Um. It's an interesting question. And um, I actually left Punchbowl with no non-compete. So I am permitted to legally, contractually, permitted to um, to get back into the category. And I haven't ruled that out. Um, it's just, I know that if I talk about that, um, 
that becomes the only headline. <laughs> so, you know, you know, Thompson launches, com, you know, a uh, competitive brand to the company he founded in number 10 years ago. So I don't have a plan yet for that, but it is on the table. Robert, what is that? What is the one accomplishment that you're most proud of throughout this? Um, that I believe in my, in my heart of hearts that I have, that, that I have helped multiple of my teammates that developed punchball with me, you know, sort of gain access to this, uh, this theoretical restaurant hall of fame. Like we've created something that was so special, so differentiated. We defined a category. Um, and the, the resume that some of my people built by helping put this thing together and scaling it the way that we did, um, of a concept model that didn't exist in this manner until we built it. Um, that I'm, I'm, I'm really proud. I think there's going to be a lot of, I, I think a lot of my people are going to have brilliant careers of their own using Punchbowl as that springboard. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Man, I'll man. tell you what, uh, as you forge your way into the future and the charge seems to be behind you, you're going to need a lot of money, my friend. Is, is there anybody, how, how, money, where are you going to get the money? Is there any, can people get in on these types of things? Um, lots of investors watch the show. Yeah, we, um, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing to say, but raising capital isn't that hard once you figure out the formula, but raising the right capital is hard, making sure that you're partnering with the right, uh, with the right people. And, uh, I've taken a lot of pride over the years in being able to, um, uh, be selective and bring in the right types of capital partners that are creative to, to the organization, to the brand and uh into the ultimate mission so um so i'm in capital mode but it's as much um searching as as, as much as it is really vetting through the, the right type of capital discussions uh what do you want to leave us with thank you for the just wonderful interview robert thompson i appreciate it um you know uh i'm i'm just proud to launch this uh this incubator in denver you know i think denver deserves a national incubator and if I'm fortunate enough to put it together and have success, then, um, you know, it'll help. It'll just help add to sort of the, the trophies that we have here, you know, as Denver and the, the national restaurant map. In an undisclosed location somewhere in Denver, there he is, Robert Thompson in his green room attic. It was a pleasure catching up with you today, Robert. And we would love to stay in contact with you uh, as the, the weeks and months ahead come by. Thanks, guys. Good show. You bet. Thank you so Thank much. You, that was a good one. Up next, we have him standing by. Juan Padro is going to join us. And uh, he was uh, in this last news piece that I found very interesting by the headline. The headline from CBS4 Denver says, Successful Colorado restaurant owner sees opportunity amid coronavirus pandemic. I'm just wondering, as Juan Padro um, is a very outspoken gentleman. Does he like to be referred to as a successful Colorado restaurant owner right now during this pandemic? Is it true? This news piece is very complimentary. We have nothing but good things to say about Juan Padro. We're going to catch up with him right here next on the Modern Eater Show. Hi, guys. It's Rebecca Barry with Hot Schedules Powered by Four. With all of the recent COVID rules and regulations, you may feel like you have way too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, fortunately, Forth is the leading hospitality provider and partner when it comes to onboarding HR, payroll, tax, and compliance needs. So that way you can keep all of those cooks in the kitchen and let us manage all of your administrative needs. 
That way you can focus back on your business and your growth plans. Give me a call for an analysis on how we can put that ROI back into your business and take those administrative burdens off your hands because nobody likes handling taxes. That's Rebecca.Barry at Forth.com, Rebecca.Barry at Forth.com. And hey, you know what's cool, guys? Keeping your mask on so that way we can keep our doors open. Hey, Modern Eater fans. I'm Don Trouble with the Annex by Art at Mills, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here, and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa. It's just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of, of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning it into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries uh, or pearl barley, those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you. Hey there, barbecue all-star. This is your year, so what if you weren't drafted? The only draft you need to be worried about is actually spelled D-R-A-U-G-H-T, and it's adult for the word beer. It's barbecue season, baby. Now get out there and grill your ass off. There we go. It's their summer dinner series. I'm a farmer. What's up, everybody? This is Kaibab Savage, co-founder of Savage Spectrum Winery, home of Sparklet, Palisade's newest premier sparkling wine producer, coming to you live from our vineyard. You can see this beautiful vineyard behind us. We're so happy to pair up with the Modern Eaters for the Summer Dinner Series. Check them out online, summerdinnerseries.com to get your tickets. You can come hang out with us. You can try our latest releases of our Sparklets. It's the perfect aperitif to pair with these amazing creations the chefs are gonna bring you. Can't wait to see you guys, hang out with you guys, tell you about our story, get to know you better. Hope to see you there. Man, that was, that was... I just had to get hyped up. I just had to get, you know, feeling good. Victory for bar and restaurant owners today. The governor announces last call in Colorado will be pushed back one hour from 10 to 11 p.m. That is still much earlier than the state's usual 2 a.m. last call. The governor had moved it up to help prevent young people from getting and spreading COVID-19. But today he had an optimistic mm -hmm. tone, saying the data shows things are improving and we may see more loosening of restrictions. My hope is it can be, uh, you know, midnight as soon as possible, and hopefully the data will bear that out. Alan Janae is continuing to follow how all these changes are impacting our local restaurants. And, Alan, they're looking for any bit of relief. Well, tonight, Tori, this bar behind me, the Vesper Lounge, is ready to stretch that service an hour later, and they could certainly use the revenue. Now, Denver has had an improving food scene over the past 20 years until COVID-19 really ripped it apart. The question is, will it ever be the same? Well, the answer is likely no. It felt good for John Hosack and Ginny Christian to get out from Parker into yeah. Denver this night. Well, this is us catching up. On a warm evening, people were eating outside at Frank Bonanno's restaurants along 7. I think there's three phases of how you're looking at this is... How, how am I going to get through right now? Then how am I going to really survive through the winter? And then what does it look like on the other side? He knows many restaurants will not be back. I think a year from now, your options are going to be limited, 
but I think what you're going to get is going to be the best of what was left. COVID's a hell of an alibi. Juan Padro runs Bardo, the Tap and Burger restaurants, and a half dozen others, and notes that there were bubbles in brew pubs and restaurants. And I think a lot of it's going to be for the better, for sure. I mean, it's tough to tell somebody that's losing their business that they've been passionate about that's been done a certain way for so long. There's some positives in this, <laughs> you know? He sees opportunity but fewer pricey places with slim margins. There's gonna be some lease deals out there for people. I truly expect that all 10 of my restaurants in a year will be open. Frank Bonanno believes strong operators will come through, but the people working for him and learning how to be efficient, he thinks, are the next generation of owners. It's failures and challenges that make you great or make you good or make you learn. You know, remember, small business is the big job creator in this country. And if you think about it, restaurants are really the ultimate in capitalism. It takes innovation. It takes hard work. And it takes a whole lot of time to make things good and make things work out. So if the restaurant industry, Jim, is able to recover, well, maybe that's an example for all of America. In Denver, I'm Alan Janay covering Colorado First. Great point, Alan. Thank you, sir. All right, that was actually a very good point, and he'll join us now. Thank you for your time. This is Juan Padro, uh, Culinary Creative. How are you, Juan? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm real well. And, and innovation, hard work, and time, those three things uh, were, were labeled by uh, uh, Alan Janay there from uh, CBS4. Those are all things that uh, you do on a daily basis, right? Well, certainly people within my group, um, <laughs> yeah. they're a lot smarter than I am. So, <laughs> but yes. You, well, you, you're always very modest and humble. The news piece, successful Colorado restaurant owners see opportunity amid coronavirus pandemic. This last week's been an interesting week, Juan. We've had, um, uh, and let's face it, we've had uh, folks in the bar business that they, they lose, they want to pull out their hair when the 10 p.m. and now 11 p.m. last call, and they talk to you about it, they say, why are they talking to Juan about it? I'm losing my mind. My business is late-night business. Juan doesn't have any late-night business, and they're talking to Juan about this late-night business. It's a tough thing. Um, any reaction to that at all? When, and I'll go directly. The Mark Burzins of the world and, the, and Chris Fusilates, who... Uh, go berserk when they hear that, uh, you know, why are, they, why are they going to Juan? He doesn't have late night business. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, those are really smart guys and really good guys. And and uh, and, and they have to protect their business interests. And, and uh, you know, I certainly empathize with, uh, with where they're at, um, you know, it does, in fact, infect our business. Um, you know, we on the weekends, for example, you know, mm -hmm. most of the restaurants are, you know, have people in them until midnight. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the Tap and Burgers, um, you know, are sports bars. So, um, you know, depending on the event, like, for example, if there's like a UFC event or something like that, that stuff can go well past midnight. And so it doesn't affect us maybe um, on a daily basis basis as much as it might uh, affect mark in particular but um but uh you know it certainly um has has uh has some effect when um 
kind of control what you can control. And this is what I've seen your actions to be. I don't know necessarily if it's your motto or you really even openly say that, but I've seen you control what you can control through this outbreak. And, and with that, had innovation came. Do you consider yourself a successful Colorado restaurant owner right now where nobody really wants to stand out as being successful right now? Are you seeing success? And do you mind having that moniker on you? I mean, I haven't really thought about that. Um, I think um, if, if what you're alluding to is, is that something to be embarrassed about, um, you know, probably not. Um, I think anybody that is navigating this and is still open uh, deserves that label um, because it's a tough time. And, and I think that um, it does take a, a certain level of uh, work ethic and, um, and, and, and some ingenuity um, you know, to be able to, um, you know, to, to bring money in and bring guests in and make them feel comfortable. And these are much different times. You're operating a different business, but first and foremost, your responsibility has to be to the folks that work for you so that they can, you know, make an income and take care of their families. And, you know, that's kind of what we're focused on. And, um, you know, if that means somebody's going to call us successful because of that, then, then okay. But, you know, we're certainly not, line in our pockets or, you know, our bank account's not going, uh, it's not getting more full. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, Juana, this is Brian. Good afternoon. Wanted to ask, I, I, don't you think that word success is a little bit confusing just because you might have to close a restaurant doesn't mean you're not still successful. And so I think that there's some confusion in that for people. Would you agree with that or? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. You know, I don't think anybody's saying you don't know what you're doing if you close due to COVID, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, I don't know how many rest, you know, we'll, we'll see what the percentages are. Um, right now, it, you know, um, in Colorado, at least, you know, I'm out on the East Coast right now and I was driving around Philly yesterday and I'm up in Massachusetts. I'm going to be in Boston in a couple of days and I'll take a look at what's going on there as well. But, you know, Denver is in a much different position than, than, than those cities. Um, and, uh, and in particular, you know, the neighborhoods in Denver, um, you know, uh, low high, um, and cherry Creek, I live in cherry Creek, but, uh, you know, I spend most of my time in low high and those, those two neighborhoods, you know, the restaurants are, um, are doing, uh, as well as, as imaginable, uh, much better than I think anybody anticipated, um, to be honest with you during this. Um, downtown on the other hand in Denver is, you know, it's a really tough place to be. And I have just such great respect for people like Jen Jasinski and, and Alex Seidel and Frank Bonanno and, 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 you know, all those folks downtown that are operating in that Troy that are operating in that type of environment because, um, you know, the, the, the downtown's a ghost town and to be able to continue to operate like that. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's the definition of success in my opinion. Yeah, it's hurry up and wait and hang on right now, and especially for a lot of the the good ones, right? Um, how do you ask this question? So we're seeing attrition, and and you know some would say it's the quickening of maybe businesses that should have gone away a little while, and it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, that attrition that we're seeing right now would leave new opportunity. I'm not going to put that question on you on, on, are we seeing the water find its own level with restaurants and some going away? Uh, I don't think that's a fair question, but I do think uh, it was striking as Robert Thompson was on the show 
uh, now Thompson Growth Group, formerly Punchbowl Social, saying that it's development ro- mode right now, development mode, not asset management mode. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, no, not entirely. I think it's probably both. I mean, for him, it's development mode um, because he's moved up. But I think if he was still with Punchbowl, I think he'd probably you know, say it was a balance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, he's an incredibly prolific entrepreneur and, and he's a very intelligent guy and, and, you know, a guy that many of us, you know, look towards for uh, leadership and, and he's done a great job, but um, you know, but if you're um, but, you know, if you're uh, you know, well, I guess I'll use myself as an example, you know, if you've got Highland Tappenberger and Bardo and Senor Bear and Oscar and they're all open, you're protecting your asset. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that being said, um, you know, I think it'd be crazy not to be keeping a really, you know, close eye on, on what's happening in the market. And, um, and, you know, I, there's two things there, right. It's not about necessarily capitalizing on, uh, the fact that somebody else went out of business. And I know that a lot of people kind of view it that way. Um, for me, you know, I think it's an opportunity to have conversations with, you know, commercial real estate developers and say, Hey, you know, how do we, how do we move forward and how do we position restaurants and commercial real estate? Um, how do we align them? And, and how does this look, you know, going down the road as a win-win for, for everybody? Is it an amenity, um, where it's, where commercial real estate looks at how they finance their, uh, their buildings and as part of that building out restaurants and, and uh, having partnerships from that perspective. Um, do we look at the way leases are structured? Um, you know, which, you know, that's something that we're doing. I mean, you know, signing a triple net lease right now, unless it's an incredible deal, I, I think is a really risky proposition, but, you know, I think if you, um, you know, can come to an agreement with, um, you know, with a landlord uh, where you can do a gross lease, you know, where you can keep your occupancy costs below 8% and you can insure that. So do, you know, a, a percent gross lease, then, you know, I think, I think more, um, more real estate owners are open to those conversations right now. And I think that that is, is something that I, I would recommend that everybody, um, you know, kind of does. And, and, you know, and if you're losing one of your restaurants, you know, or, or, or multiple restaurants, you know, it's not, this, this disease doesn't come and take your brain away, right? It doesn't mean you don't have the intellectual, pro- the, the, va- the values in the intellectual property, right? Um, and I know that there's an emotional attachment, um, you know, especially in, in food and Bev, but, you know, I think that um, there are going to be opportunities because there's still a ton of building going on in Denver and there will be some second generation and third generation spaces that are coming available. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, you always look at your basis when you, when, when you, when you do something new and if you can keep your basis low and, sign a really good deal moving forward uh and you've got a concept that you believe in that maybe just didn't work because it was in downtown denver during covid um you know i think that you probably um when uh, the emotions are pulled out of it um you know have a have a pretty pretty incredible opportunity ahead of you wow i just took notes on all of that (laughs) and that's fantastic the um triple net right now to stay away from that the percent gross leads Eight percent. Where yeah, do you come, where do you come with the eight percent number? Well, uh, you know, you want your occupant. If you're a, a, a sit down restaurant, your occupancy really needs to be below eight percent. 
Um, and so your occupancy costs are basically just what it costs to operate your business. So that's not just your um, rent and your taxes. It's anything else that that is an expense that um, uh, uh, for your space. So like for a Tappan Burger, for example, it's all the way down to like the cost of direct TV for us. Right. Um, so that would be the same with somebody like Mark Burzins or Chris or those guys, but you know, your trash removal, your electricity, you know, all that stuff. Um, so if you're looking at it from a percent rent, uh, perspective, you know, you really need that number to be about 6%, um, because the other stuff should be about 2%. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that'll get you to that, that point. So if you're at 8% occupancy costs or below, you know, and, and you know how to operate, you're going to have a healthy business. Mm. And your and your concerns one with the triple net is that just because the occupancy is going to be down and you're going to be sharing a bigger bigger piece of that pie or well you don't have any control over taxes yeah you know and let's be real right whenever we go into uh, a recession um, and we have to spend money to get out of it mm-hmm. um, you know that money's got to come from somewhere I know we're just printing it right now but the, the, the can gets kicked down the road a little bit uh-huh. so you know you tell me what happens when the government needs money what do they do yeah they raise your taxes yeah they raise your taxes okay. so and I'm not I'm not opposed to that but it shouldn't all fall on the restaurant you know what I'm saying so it should be a shared expense so um, and, and that being said, you know, if there if, if the restaurant thrives in a particular um, uh, in a particular area, then, you know, there's also upside for um, the uh, the building owner. You know, I think Garden Grace, Troy, you know, is a great example of that building. Uh, am I correct me if I'm wrong? You, some of your properties you own, some of them you lease. Am I right? So you're on both sides. Yes. Okay, so on on from the landlord's perspective, and we're seeing a lot of interesting movement out there right now. One of them that strikes me is the unique properties listing the um, Esquire Theater, and and basically probably just to make a move to sell it, so I don't have to worry about my tenant at this point. Um, the, the question that I uh, that I want to give you is. So through COVID right now, and as people are looking to either landlords to secure their leases or just to continue with their tenants, should they be responsible for any kind of upgrades, whether it be air air filtration units, anything to help the current tenant to actually operate a business during COVID? Who should incur those costs? I mean, the government. The, the gov- government should. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that should be there should be programs that the city and the state have. And I know a lot of cities and states say they're broke, but um, you know, it can be a combination of grants and tax credits and, and, and things like that. Or there needs to be some mechanism that comes down from, uh, from some government organization because it's the government's responsibility to protect its people. Got it. Um, that's an interesting perspective. So Juana, as you're moving forward and you're looking a, a lot of costs and we're seeing, uh, a lot of operators look to whether it's either a COVID charge, a $2 here, or or build it in. Are you looking at ways to be able to recoup the cost of gloves, the cost of sanitation, the cost of whatever that you're incurring? Are you passing? How are you absorbing that right now, Juan? Uh, we're paying for it right now, um, but we're lobbying real hard behind the scenes for tax credits for that. But nothing you would want to pass along to the customer, the end user? Are you avoiding that? Um, 
we've talked about it. It hasn't been a priority for us, but um, but I, I I'm not opposed to that. Do you keep a ledger for all of the costs that are coming through? I mean, could you give me a dollar amount if I said here's how how much does it cost for you to cover those costs for uh, anything COVID related? Um, I think so far we spent about ten grand a store. Significant, yeah. Juan, do you think that you're a little bit insulated right now because of the location of your, uh, of you know, of your which one stores? All uh, Juan is not necessarily heavy concentration. No, like you, yeah. you look at someone like you know Frank Bonanno came out in an interview and was saying, you know, listen, I'm I'm fine. I don't feel like I mean I have any problem with all ten of mine concepts. I think that's very bold. Um, because I think that there's always concern because how long does this last? But, but much different question for you, Juan, is, is do you think you're insulated because you're on these, you're on these fringe areas? Well, I mean, Marin is downtown and not in a, in a, in a C plus location downtown and Bellevue Tappenberger is in an office park in DTC. So, um, Mm-hmm. I would say that those are definitely uh, not insulated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's that's what I'm interested. Yeah. Well, the three things that yeah. Frank Bonanno said in that last piece, and I want to just as as uh, this is the last one for me, Juan. How uh, the three things he said? How am I going to get through? How am I going to survive? And what does the other side look like? Is that where your thought process is as we move into quarter four and then the beginning? Of, can you even look at next year right now, Juan? What are the one, two, threes for you right now, Juan? Exactly that. He's 100 percent correct. I mean, you know, I, I feel like we've solved one, um, you know, so uh, right now we're looking at um, what the winter looks like. And, you know, we really need to put a little bit more pressure on our elected officials here to tell us what the hell we're able to do. Um, you know, they haven't said anything about a tent program. They haven't. If you want to enclose your patio, are they going to make you put bathrooms in? Because that's what code says, um, you know, the city of Denver. You know, I, they're trying. Um, you know, they haven't been uh, super easy to work with. And, uh, and you know, that really comes from the top. So, you know, I think um, we need some leadership from, from Mayor Hancock. And I think he needs to, to really put, the, put his foot down and say, hey, listen, you know, we need a drop dead date as to when we're going to give these people these answers. And, um, and, and same thing with, with Jared, with Governor Polis. Um, you know, uh, th- those guys got to get, in, uh, you know, on the same page and work together and, and figure out what they're going to offer uh, or what they're going to allow for. Um, and, um, you know, we just we've had a very difficult um, time with all this last minute stuff. And I'm sure I'm sure Mark and Chris and, um, probably had some complaints about how long it took to make that announcement to move from 10 to 11, like a lot of other restaurateurs. I mean, that stuff should never happen. Um, you know, that's, and, and, and those guys know better. They've been in this business. They've been in politics for, for long enough and, and are in business for long enough that this last minute stuff, uh, you know, puts unnecessary pressure and unnecessary, um, you know, stress, uh, on an industry that's already stressed. And, um, so, you know, as much as I admire, uh, governor Polis and, and think that he's doing a good job in many ways. Um, you know, that's one area that he needs to be better at. And same thing with, um, you know, you know, Mayor Hancock, uh, you know, the city, I still don't even have my patio approved for Mr. Rosso and I'm 11 weeks into this thing. You know, that's inexcusable in my opinion. Mm. Run as an independent Juan, but I'll tell you, give my vote. Juan Padro for president. (laughs) Would you want the job? Would you take that job, Juan? 
the president job? Yeah. Uh, yep. You would? If my country wanted me to be president, I would take it. I, yes. I think you'd be a great president, my man. I'd, I'd wonder. I mean, be- I mean, if you think, if you, if you think the comedy every day with Trump, with, with Trump is, is a thing, wait till you see if I was in office. <laughs> Would you have a would you would you have a governor? I, I know you like to speak your mind. Would you hold back a little bit, or would you be full on Juan Padro? Yeah, I'm not too good at holding back. <laughs> yeah, uh, tell us a secret, man. We had an interview with a dude for what was his name from the BMC Investments? Was it BMC Investments? Yes, it was in Cherry Matt Creek. Job. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, tell us a secret, oh. man. He might let something <laughs> slip. Tell us a secret, Juan. I know where he's going on this you one. Know, you'd have to ask Matt. You know, he's the he's 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 the big man on campus. Uh, that guy's. Uh, I don't know if you was he in was he in studio or was it a Zoom call? He was in the palatial office in Cherry Creek with the backdrop there. But uh, what an accomplished guy! Oh, is he, that right? He's yeah, a he's a, he's a terrific human being um somebody that i admire greatly and um you know we've become friends over the years we're both uh from massachusetts and so we have that connection um and uh and you know what he's done in cherry creek uh i think is unprecedented um i there's not you know the city of denver is lucky to have a guy like that um and you know, a, a lot of the development in Cherry Creek is, is beautiful and expensive, but he also has a really, really, really good feel for, um, you know, what success looks like. And it's not all necessarily tied to just profitability. It's tied to soul and community and um, and lifting people up and being inclusive. And, and, and those are our, those are my conversations with Matt and um, and, uh, and he's been very open to those and to, to have somebody in, in his position and, and his stature and, um, you know, sit down and take the time to listen and, and want to be part of that process, I think is, uh, you know, I think, I think is an incredible thing. And, and, and like I said, I mean, the city of Denver is a, a much better place because Matt Joplin lives here. I agree. I mean, from a native Ch- Cherry Creekian that I am, uh, kudos to him and just, the uh, philanthropic work that he does that 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 instituting kind of it's Cherry Creek's own stimulus package through him. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. I well, mean, like, he cares about the business, but it, I think other it's interesting leaders need to do that. Well, when Juan, when you got into this, don't you think the restaurant industry's changed a lot because guys, you know, guys like him and guys, you know, like we were just talking with Robert and he's got the Thompson Growth Group. You've got big money coming into the restaurant and entertainment that wasn't necessarily a a big thing, was it, when you got into this industry, right? Um, no, you know, look, the Food Network and things like that, you know, kind of changed things. And, you know, then restaurants kind of became like independent films. And, and uh, you know, it was kind of a cool thing to throw some money at just to say you have you were part of it. And I think that's, you know, somewhat still the case with you know, some of the higher end, uh, restaurants, you know, you don't, you don't invest in a, in a, you know, a fine dine restaurant because you want to make a huge return. That's for sure. Well, it's interesting um, Juan, because his, his properties, the loss leader is a restaurant in them, right? If you look at Matsuhisa and Still Creek development, you look at the, what he did over there with departure and that development as well. He's, he's coupled in the restaurant concepts into, his buildings, right? So that needs to be brought in and addressed and nurtured and loved. 
Yeah. And it, you know, when you, when you talk about lost leaders and things like that, I mean, I think you need to take a little bit more of a holistic view on that and, and understand the amenity and the value that a restaurant brings to the community. And, um, you know, it, it not only feeds a community, but it's a gathering place and, and, uh, and, and it's something that, you know, really, um, when you live somewhere, you know, people, people have, they demand a uh, certain quality and, and, and Matt sees that, and, you know, I think that for a long time, he felt like he needed to go out of state and, and bring, um, you know, uh, concepts like quality Italian and Bill Bouquet and Matsuhisa in. And, uh, I think he's got a comfort level with what's going on in Denver right now. And, and, um, and I think that uh, he's looking to uh, leverage the incredible resources that uh, that Denver can provide and uh, and really uh, lift up the restaurant community here. I like the reset on the loss leader comment of the holistic approach. I I couldn't agree with you more. I'm not going to say you're you're not going to do something in Cherry Creek, Juan, but I'm not going to say you're not going to do something in Cherry Creek. And I'm just going to say I hope you do something in Cherry Creek, Juan. There you go. <laughs> hey, I, will tell. I have a serious question. Matt, for Matt's got to pay for it. <laughs> Juan, this is Jay here. I have a serious question for you. Um, I know you guys were talking about some other stuff just now, but um, what do you think about Tom Brady playing in Florida? Well, I mean, I'm 46, <laughs> and the warm weather does me uh, justice. So I don't, you know, he's old and he's been hit a lot. So I think he needs to go down and play in some warm weather. And, and you know, he's got TB12, uh, uh, his nutritional supplement uh, 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 brand. And and, uh, and I think he wants to prove that those supplements work. And, and what better way to do that than go work under Bruce Arians is going to let you throw the ball 40 times a game to guys like Mike Evans and Godwin and, and Gronk and all these running backs. And he's got every weapon under the sun down there. So I, I, I suspect he's going to put up some big numbers and I suspect a lot of people are going to be buying his supplements that are in their forties uh, to make them feel like Tom. <laughs> wow. Great. Hey, hey so I haven't thought about who, that. Who's huh? going to have a better record this year, the Patriots or the Bucks? Um, Sorry. I would say they're going to be about the same. I, 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 I think the, you know, the, the Patriots had a, a fair amount of people that opted out, um, due to, due to COVID and some pre-existing conditions and things like that. Their right tackle and their star linebacker, Dante Hightower, uh, Patrick Chung, they're, they're all world safety there. Um, but you know, they're deep in the secondary, so I'm not overly concerned about that one, but, uh, the linebacker situation is, is, is a little bit. Uh, scary. It's going to be a lot of young guys, and, and it's cool to see them have an opportunity. Um, you know, if Cam Newton is healthy, uh, they can win 12 games, I think, um, but they have a really brutal schedule. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, my expectation is, uh, you know, is 11 for the Patriots. And then when I look at what's going on in um, in Tampa, um, with, you know, I think, I think it's going to be, you know, Tom typically – settles into his seasons and stuff like that. So I, I would expect a two and two start. And I think those guys will probably end up around 11 and five as well. So uh, if I have to answer the question, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I've told people for 20 years, you're an idiot to bet against Tom Brady. So um, I'm not going to be betting against Tom Brady. He's made a lot of money for people. That's for sure. Speaking of just betting, what do you think of legalized gambling or legalized sports betting in Colorado? You like it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it goes on, right? I mean, 
it's like legalizing cannabis because nobody smokes weed right um so it's you know i mean it's one of those things that um you know when you allow an nfl team to make vegas home i mean that's a pretty loud statement that gambling is is part of the future um and the only way that something like as controversial as gambling becomes part of the future uh in a sports league uh is because it makes more money than you can say no to so um if it's bringing in tax revenue and, and that tax revenue is used properly uh to help our schools and help our homeless situation and and uh, lower some tax the tax burden on some of the citizens then i'm all for it you're in philly right now i'm in massachusetts i drove from philly to massachusetts in three and a half hours today And if you're not going 90 bumper to bumper, they'll run you off the damn road. Are you? Well, in- there was no bumper to bumper. You know, it was it was, it was open roads. Was so. it really? Was it? Was that right. a good time? Yeah, I was like driving through Iowa. Are you going? Are you going yeah, was- to uh, Boston? Where are you? Where's uh, where are you right now? Uh, I'm at the house I grew up in, uh, built in 1842. You can kind of see this old colonial guy here, and got a little bit of. Uh, Check this out. The old fireplaces, and all that kind of stuff. And my mother has uh, lived here for 47, 48 years. And she just, uh, the house just went under contract. So um, we're trying to figure out what the next move for her is. And, and uh, so we're going to go drive and take a look at some some apartments for her. And she's 83 years old. So uh, but, you know, she's got a fair amount of life left in her. So she wants to do some traveling and not be tied down. Put her in a position to do that. That's so cool. Hey, uh, I mean, Juan, are you going to be on the East Coast so for a couple weeks? No, I'll be back uh, probably Thursday. I was going to invite you to, you know, if you wanted to come down into uh, sunny Florida. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't <laughs> go. Juan, it's a pleasure catching up, man. I love that you're back in your in your house there. My mother still lives in the house I grew up in. 48 years she's had the house. And you go back and look at it, I'm sure a lot of memories uh, it's a new chapter to move on from that. I'm sure it's not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, good luck to you and your family. Thank you. Absolutely. Juan Padre, we love you, man. Uh, safe travels and welcome, but we'll see you soon. You got it. Talk to you later. Okay. okay. Thanks, Juan Padre. What a show. Yeah. Well, today was a heavy business forward uh, Monday, that. man. You got to jump in. Put on it. your big boy pants today. My follow-up question for Juan was going to be: uh, Is there a subject that you're not a super genius in? Oh, I know, right? You know, it's like I I wasn't asking that question to be funny necessarily, but I was asking it because you know most of the business sure. part had happened, and that's where I yeah. come in, right? You know, and so saying like, "Well, how do you feel about Tom Brady playing?" His, and it's like, "Well, listen, uh, here, I didn't know Cam here, Newton was in New England. Here's his age. Here is his thing. You know, breaks down the lineup of who's mm-hmm. on the other side of the ball. Well, you know, it, a, it just goes." Super smart, dude. Jay, what's coming up next? Uh, And then tomorrow, again, it's Tuesday. What does that mean? Summer Dinner Series continues. Week Uh, seven, guys. Only two left. Isn't it? it, It's sad. It's like bittersweet, right? It's... We, we had an awesome summer dinner series. Some people have told me that without summer dinner series, their summer would have sucked. Oh, remember the couple we went to the other day that she had brought her boyfriend to the summer dinner series because she said, you know what? There's nothing to do, and I wanted to have fun. Mm-hmm. 
And this is what I found to have uh, fun. Let me uh, play a couple commercials to sure. talk about Aspen baking, and then we can uh, wrap it up. Yeah. We had Amber Strohauer. She fell off. Oh, which, she dipped out? Which works because Juan Padro fell in. Well, but she, but she, <laughs> she fell out. She fell out. I don't, you know, uh, I don't, she's in Texas. Well, people she, have stuff to I do. Know, but we thank know. you, Amber, for stepping aside. We did want to uh, get you on the stream today. Went and got some potatoes. Potatoes yes, for Justin's Yes, I did go up there. And you know what? I got to – Give a huge shout out. We got a little video there, but they gave us um, some killer shallots with this top still on. I hooked Chef Brunson at Strohauer Farms. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, you know, I tell, tell us why, what the difference is between shallots with the tops on and the tops off when we get back from break. Would you do that? Are we coming back? back from break? Yes. We're coming back. We are? Well, I got to do Aspen. Just Unless quickly. you want me to do it right no. now. You want to go into this? I, I thought we'd just kind of yeah, come Aspen. back and, Aspen. and, Let's and seal chop it up. up no, nah, we're and, done. And, and, and do a do thing. Do Aspen. Okay. I love Aspen. Okay. I love bread. Okay. I love you, Jay. Okay. Talk okay. about it. Okay, give me a second here. I got, got so much work to I gotta, do. I got a graphic and, and, and things, and I want to put our website. Aspen Baking Company, you guys. Aspenbaking.com. That's where you go to find the most delicious bread you've ever had in your entire life. Do you like sourdough bread? Aspen Baking. Do you like sourdough bread? I'm a sourdough freak, right? Where I've said this before, but I did it again the other day. I cut the top off of a sourdough thing. You carve out the stuff. You butter it up. You grill it. It's grilling. You heat up some soup. I'm a clam chowder guy. Juan out there in Boston, he knows what clam chowder is. You pour the clam chowder into the sourdough bowl. You eat the whole thing. Wait, the top's still grilling? The top's grilling. Oh. You pour the the hot soup inside of the the sourdough bowl, the Aspen bacon. Yeah. You heat up the bowl? I don't. You don't? No. I mean, you can. I mean, yeah. you throw it in the oven You're for putting a minute. Hot stuff I can't. In there. I don't have enough yeah. time for that. Once Why I are you heating the so top? So it's up. just the top is getting grilled. No, okay. the insides, too. You cut out the innards. Because oh, that's oh. where you're pouring. That's where you're pouring the soup. Yeah. So you grill the top, which is a little frisbee dome, uh-huh. and right? the innards. And you grill, grill the innards. You can smash it down because pulling it out, it's not yeah. you know. You, you smash it down a little bit, and you gr- butter each side, and you grill the innards. Oh. And then when you sit down with a spoon, and I use a catering spoon because that's how I roll, like a big serving spoon. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah I got you, Fred. Well, big ass spoon. <laughs> how about that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Hashtag how's your aspen? Aspenbaking.com. Then I eat the thing, and then you have the grilled stuff next to it, the top and the innards. It's grilled, and then you eat everything. But here's the trick, though. You keep a little bit on the inside of the bowl because you're going to eat the bowl, too, and you don't want it to be, you know, uh, you want yeah. that juices you yeah. know, flowing or yeah. whatever soup it is. And then you just you kill that whole thing. Whether you want catering, they'll cater you. Rome sausage, are you a sausage lover? They do uh, uh, box lunches with delicious Rome sausage. You guys, I'm telling you, if you're a bread freak like me, AspenBaking.com is where you go. You just made me hungry totally. for a big Aspen did, Baking yeah. Bread bowl. We need lunch. Clam chowder. Guys, great show. Thank you to um, Robert Thompson. First time that we've caught up with Robert Thompson from uh, formerly Punchbowl Social and now Thompson Growth Group. I find it interesting as he says those three concepts, Nobis, Dinette, and Fiona. First of all, if it was anybody else but him, I'd be like, "Ah, you're dreaming, right? None of that's going to happen. You're not going to do well, I'm sure there's a lot of people still saying that. Well, yeah. and it's interesting, but he can mobilize um, leases and he can mobilize money. Well, and the deal is, is he's learned how to tap. But, I mean, listen. You but should using t- Denver as that incubator, it's kind of cool. Well, yeah. Whether it, it works cool. or not. It's like, I mean, it's like we I'll use uh, Juan out. Padro's uh, Tom Brady analogy, which is you look at his track record, a guy like Thompson, yeah. you know, and it's like if you want to bet against him, uh, go ahead, yeah. you know. Well, he said it, though. During the interview, he said Denver is a great slice of America. 
Um, and I think that that's important. Yeah, and he now, said years ago he may not have said that, but right yeah, now he feels that. He feels that. Which, you know, coming from a native Coloradan, part of me wants to be like, yeah, you know. Well, but just because it's that frog in the water. Right. You've been boiling for so long, you don't know you're But boiling. I would agree. Yeah. No, Denver has, has grown up. We've talked about as it. As long it's, as you don't come here and live in a tent on the side of the road. Yeah. Well, as long as you Hey, want, real quick, I was in a car that. accident today. No big deal. The yeah. only witness was a guy in the corner. The well, you're car. not a good driver, so. No, actually, that, someone backed I, up into I, him. I, 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 so he says. Yeah, I know. And it's so just every says. time he says, I'm not a good driver, I, wanna, I just want to take something off of him physically. <laughs> you know, like one finger or, or just an oh, ear man. or something. You know, like uh, take his ear off. Great. So I, my closing statement to you, though. I think that the industry has changed, and that's where I was going with Juan Padro because, listen, I'll tell you, I don't think that there's any room anymore for hack business people to be in the restaurant industry. So, and what that means potentially is, is like, unless you're on your game and you are a chef and a businessman, I don't think that there's a lot of room anymore for the, for those people. And that's what, because if you listen to the acumen of the guys that we had on today's show Hell of a lot of smart people are getting into this business, and when big business comes in and corporations come in, they're looking for things and they're looking for ways to tighten down and uh, make this the real business. And like he said, we heard uh, Robert. Did you hear that? Twenty percent. Did you hear that? Is twenty percent profit? Lost interest, man, in what you're saying. I know. Well, no, but, no, no. but twenty percent, twenty percent profit, you guys. That's a big number for a restaurant, man. I know a lot of restaurant owners that are trying to push for ten, and if this guy has figured out sauce to get twenty percent out, it's almost unbelievable. It it it's almost remarkable. is. I mean, so I I think it's changing, and I think uh, you want a seat at this table. It, it's a new, uh, you know. It's a new world we're living in. Yeah, watch people like that. Take notes. Yeah. Juan Padros of the world. Troy Gard, I think he's going to do just fine. Yeah. Um, these guys. It's interesting, and, and that's really why we do the Modern Eater Show, catch up with these brains. Uh, tomorrow, our show will be a dinner, and dinner starts at 7. So the Modern Eater Show will start at 7 p.m., and then we'll resume our regular schedule uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then we'll have the last summer dinner series uh, next Tuesday with Chef Troy Gard. I think there is actually, as weird as it sounds, a ticket left for that one. So go check it out, summerdinnerseries.com. Summerdinnerseries.com. And all the great work on the themoderneater.com. Uh, I'll tell you what. I go to the themoderneater.com. I beam with pride. It should be your daily resource. There's so much good stuff on there and uh, just a lot of hard work that's going in there. Go every day and bookmark it. Get the latest and greatest at themoderneater.com. Thank you for everybody involved today. Robert Thompson, Juan Padro. Sorry about that. Uh, Amber Strohauer, Strohauer Farms. Looking forward to your potatoes. Uh, for uh, Faith Johnson, who's working very hard today, and Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman, it's uh, Greg Hollenbach. We'll see you as we kick the rock down the road. We'll do it again tomorrow. The Modern Eater Show continues. Hey, guys. It's Brian Rizzuto with Encore Energy, the guy who saves your businesses money on natural gas. I know these are crazy, crazy times right now. So while your business is working on increasing your sales, let me work on saving you guys money on your natural gas. I make it as easy as possible. Just provide 12 months worth of natural gas bills to me. I'll do the rest. I know you're really busy, so let me get to work for you. You can reach me at 
I look forward to hearing from you guys and let me try to save you some money in these crazy times. Bye. Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here and I'd like to tell you about our brand new Abbey 4-Pack featuring the four main products of Abbey and Trappist Breweries in Belgium. So there's the single, the double, the triple, and the quadruple. And let's talk about singles today. Singles or ankles are traditionally monks beers served at mealtimes and during the day. They're low in alcohol, three to five and a half percent, and they're often second runnings from uh, stronger beers like triples or quadruples. This one is 3.8% ABV, and it's made from the second runnings from our triple. So what they're known for is lightness and drinkability, their biscuity flavor with distinct hoppiness, and they're very refreshing. Great summer beers available at either brews location, 67th and Pecos, or at Colfax in York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the metro area. Pick up your Abbey Four Pack today and take home some Belgian-style badassery. We started Meridium Spirits because we love the way that spirits and cocktails can bring people together to socialize, to bond, to have conversations. Well, right now we've got some big conversations to have. Coop Vodka and Coop Gin are available at liquor stores across the metro area, but if you can't find us or would like to have us behind your bar or at your restaurant, send us an email, info at meridiumspirits.com. We know things are a little different these days, but think of us the next time you're planning a virtual happy hour or a socially distant picnic. And keep an eye on our social media, Coop by Meridium, for all the latest and greatest. <laughs> hey, Dave Thibodeau here. <laughs> hey, friends of the Modern Eater. This is Dave Thibodeau from Ska Brewing and Peach Street Distillers. I wanted to let you know that our new brew distillery is up and running again in Boulder. And we've got a uh, great selection of Ska beers nearly 30 on tap. We've also got all of our Peach Street Spirits available, a great mixology program that we brought down from the from the Western Slope and Palisade. We're open limited hours, Wednesday through Friday from 3 to 10, and then we open up earlier at 10 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday and get some brunch action rolling. We have two great patios. Socially distant seating is available. And you can always check for more information at scostreet.com and hope we become your new favorite neighborhood spot. And I'd like to meet you there in the not too distant future for a beer or a drink soon. So take care, be healthy and stay strong. And I'll talk to you later. Hi guys, it's Cody Ann from Aspen Baking Company. We specialize in fresh, preservative free, amazing bread. But with all the food news, go right here to the Modern Eater.